In this episode, Bill Vanderheiden with Iron Will covers his new one-ounce knife, as well as his impact collar system, and a bunch more. I hope you enjoy the show. You are listening to the Archery Maniacs Podcast. This is Remy Warren. I am Rihanna Carey. My name is Adam Foss. This is Paul Tedford, professional archer. Hey everyone, I'm Christy Titus, and you are listening to Archery Maniacs. We cover everything archery, from the hunting side to the tournament side, with stories, tips and tactics, gear reviews, and more. That, that helped my tuning game so much when I made sure that all my arrows were square. And I'm just staring into his eyes. Blood's dripping off of its tines. Mud is everywhere. The clarity these mavens offer is amazing. I'm just like Spider-Man, you know, on this rock. You know, just <laughs> laying there. Belly crawling in there, and I can barely fit in there, and I can hear the cat growling at me. So I put my hand on his shoulder and pushed him, and we just ran at this elephant. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into the Archery Maniacs podcast. Today, uh, we have Bill with Iron Will on the podcast. He has come out with some new components for arrows that I I just ordered some. I'm really excited to get them in and start testing them. So I'm excited to have Bill on to kind of discuss some of those and talk about you know the importance of having uh, good solid components on the end of your arrows. So Bill, thanks for taking the time out to hop on the podcast. Yeah, hey Zach, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, we've just come out with a reinforced hit system, we call it. I've been working with Easton for a while to uh, license their hit insert technology. Um, I really like, so there's some things I really like about the, the hit inserts. Um, for one, the broadhead, you know, shank, that main, um, you know, datum diameter on the broadhead locates right to the inner, inside diameter of that arrow. Um, so if you have, if you're getting a, you know, a good high tolerance arrow um, or low tolerance arrow, and then then you align the broadhead directly to the ID. You know it's gonna you know it's gonna spin true. So I've been a fan of the hit system for a while, and um, I've been using them to do a lot of impact testing with the broadheads. And in that, in that situation, I'm shooting into you know heavy bones, things like that. And um, I found you know when when you have those high impacts there are some weaknesses to them. And so I, I just started working on myself to make it a lot stronger system really for my own impact testing originally. And, uh, as I was having a lot of success with it, people were seeing it. I decided to come out with it as a product also. Awesome. Awesome. So what, well, you know, I, I've never tried to reach out to anyone as far as licensing is concerned. So I, it, is that is that kind of a uh, a pretty big hurdle to jump over, or did was Easton pretty, you know, into you guys making a little bit beefier system with with their licensing? What what all did that kind of entail? Yeah, you know, licensing with a, a big company is never easy because there's lawyers involved, right? <laughs> so it, uh, I love lawyers. It, 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 took, it took months. Um, but, you know, at, a, at an engineering level, we are basically in agreement. They, they like the idea of the system having a premium, you know, high-end, high high-strength system that would go along with their arrows. Um, 
And so, you know, from an engineering standpoint, we were, we were working well together and, and had general agreement. And it was just, you know, working through that long uh, contract and document to get the licensing done. But no, they've been, they've been great to work with. Um, we're going to do a cross promotion here soon where we do a giveaway of some, um, of some Easton arrows along with our reinforced hit system. So yeah, Easton, Easton has been great to work with. That's awesome. So what, you know, obviously I, I shot the, the four millimeter, uh, FMJs for a while and that was a long time ago. So I, I've been using the, the hit system for, you know, off and on, not, not exclusively, but off and on for probably, I don't know, the last six to eight years. So, uh, you know, I liked it when I was using it back then, and I still like it now. So what exactly did you do to reinforce that system? I mean, it, it already seemed pretty strong. So what did you guys do to reinforce that? Yeah, first first off, I would say, you know, there's nothing wrong with their current system. It's a, it, it's a strong arrow, strong system, um, and it's really just kind of in the extreme cases that I was trying to reinforce it for, you know, a heavy bone impact, for instance. Um, and so what happens if you have, say, a heavy bone impact or even a rock or something like that, you know, that the broadhead's getting driven back into the arrow and you really just have that carbon arrow, the end of the carbon arrow supporting it. Um, so you're pushing back into that carbon and you're pushing into the, just the threads of the hit insert. And those are typically made of aluminum um, or brass. <clears throat> and so, and, and if you have say a side load on the broadhead, if you say hit the side of a bone, you can start, you know, bending, um, bending that out. And then you just have, you know, the carbon sidewalls kind of holding it. And so you can break out of the carbon. And now, now again, this is, you know, heavy bone impact or, or a rock or something, you know, unusual. But when I was doing, I was doing a lot of heavy bone impact testing, you know, shooting through cow femurs, things like that. So I didn't want to wreck an arrow um, every time I was testing a little broadhead change. So I was building these. Yeah. So I was building for myself. I started building these hardened steel sleeves and I was really trying to make them as, as good as I could, you know, possibly could really just for my own testing and use. And so what I was doing is I was using hardened steel. Um, and it's not just a sleeve, like a standard footer that people might have where they just cut a piece of an aluminum arrow and slide over it. Um, I actually wanted a little flange over the end that covered the end of the arrow also, and just gave it more protection for that direct impact, um, head on impact, but also, having that little um, flange going inward, that adds a lot of stiffness to that sleeve also. Um, it's kind of like a pop can. If you push it in the middle, it's fairly flexible. But if you push near the end, it's it's a lot stiffer when you have that material going, you know, inward on it. So, so and I was... I was boring these out. Um, you know, the ID is very tightly controlled, um, down to 10, 10 thousandths of an inch type tolerance. So we were, we're, and I was machining it, the metal in the hardened state, because I wanted to get a very true bore, very tight tolerance, and not have any distortion from heat treating afterwards or dis or discoloration. So it's, uh, and we're boring them out a full, you know, one inch slowly to get that tolerance. So it was 
fairly expensive parts to make, and I was really just doing it for myself, and I wanted them to be the best. And that's what I started using. Um, and I found out once I had that on there, those arrows were surviving these heavy bone impacts, and I could use them over and over again. Um, and then, then I started looking at the hit insert itself. Um, the standard hit insert for, say, Axis arrows is the um, 19 or 16 grain aluminum insert. And I thought, you know, those those threads get pounded, um, they could start deforming and you could start seeing where there wouldn't, wouldn't spin through either. Um, so I, I made hardened, hardened steel, um, hit inserts as well. And that's what, that's what I recently licensed from Easton is the ability to make those. So I make those now in 25, 50, 75 and hundred grain. So those are, you know, machined to very tight tolerances, um, hardened steel, and I really feel like if you take that hardened steel hit insert, you know, a strong carbon fiber arrow, and then another hardened steel sleeve over it, that that composite structure is is hard to beat for having a really strong connection to the arrow. Um, you know, a lot of there are a number of half outs or outserts that are are steel that are are pretty strong, but that connection to the arrow always becomes kind of a weak point. Then, if you have this um, half out where you know the broadhead is mounted now out in front of the arrow, it has a pretty big lever arm there. When you get a side impact, to kind of um, start either deforming that shank going down into the arrow or deforming the arrow itself. You know, you've got that lever, so you've got more um, more potential for damage that way. Whereas if you built it all right into the arrow, um, it's just a much stronger connection, I feel. And, and there's no tolerances. When you have a, a half out, you have the fit. Um, in, inside the arrow, there's that tolerance. And then from that diameter to to the diameter that the broadhead's going to go into, there's a tolerance there. And then when it's it's out in front, any clearance you had, you know, on that connection to the arrow, it kind of gets amplified um, at the broadhead tip then since it's mounted out in front. And that might be a little bit hard to understand, but it's pretty easy to get ten thousandths um, wobble in the tip of that broadhead when you have a, a half out um, just because of a tolerance stack up. Um, and an outserts are actually worse because an outsert you're locating to the OD of the arrow and the outside of the arrow isn't isn't as tightly controlled. There's more variation in that diameter compared to the inside. Um, so typically outserts are made with with enough clearance to allow for that um, variation in arrow diameter. And then when you have that clearance, you can end up bonding that um, outsert, you know, off center, and then you get some some run out or wobble of the broadhead from that. So, yeah, I really like the, this reinforced hit system for having excellent alignment to the broadhead. You know, I know it's going to spin true, and also great um, great strength at that connection point. Yeah, I. <clears throat> And that that's something that that is like you said has been a weak point of an arrow for well kind of ever right even even on so a fall a full on outsert where that outsert ends is generally a weak point of that arrow um, with the deep six uh, like you said it just had the the small end of the arrow shaft. And, you know, one thing that I really noticed also about uh, about your collars is, like you said, they have that small phalange that actually goes around the edge of the arrow, which allows you to hold that collar on 
if, if, if correct me if I'm wrong, but it allows you to hold that collar on by simply screwing your broadhead on. You don't have to epoxy those on, correct? That, that's correct. Yep, we have a, a tight fit there to the arrow, and um, you can epoxy them on, and that actually does add, add a little strength having that epoxy bond there. But um, I shoot them most of the time without them bonded on. Um, you know, I just shot Total Archery Challenge um, in South Dakota, and um, I had a few misses, believe it or not. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough course. You know? and, uh, but all my arrows survived, even the ones that went into, into rocks and things. Um, it uh, That reinforced sleeve um, really helps out. And what uh, – so we do it in the 204 ID, which is – I guess people would call that the small diameter or the 5-millimeter diameter um, arrows – but we also do it in the in the deep six size, so the 165, 166 ID arrows, um, like Eastern Carbon Injection or what Eastern would call four millimeter. Um, but you know these systems will go in everybody's uh, other companies' arrows as well that have the, either the 204 or the 166 IDs. Um, and but what I really like about it, I mean, to me, I shot deep six for a while, but then I went back to. Um, you know, the 204 diameter, more like the axis size, because I just felt it was a stronger system. And, I, you know, I'm going for the, you know, kind of the ultimate in strength and in the broadhead and, and arrow system. Um, but I now think with our um, hardened steel, hit insert, hardened steel, impact collar, that, that um, the micro diameters are, are a good option now. I think the deep six is a good option. You know, I shot that in two of the rounds in South Dakota, had a few misses. Uh, they all survived, spun through afterwards. Um, and that was on rock impacts. I mean, that was, I was hitting hard enough. The knocks were f- popping out the back <laughs> and the arrow still spun through. Um, That's impressive. <laughs> it is. I thought in the, in the past I would have bent, that would have bent that shank or bent those threads without that impact collar from my experience. Right. Um, and that probably would have been wrecked at that point. And, yeah, and now they were surviving. Um, yeah. Something would have, something would have been real bad there. And yeah, all my buddies lost a bunch of arrows on that, on that, uh, shootout. And they were trying to get me to lose more, you know, they were, <laughs> you know, how your friends are there. <laughs> They see, you know, they're trying to play mind games with me on my shots. We had, we had a fun time for sure, but uh, yeah, all my arrows uh, survived, so that was pretty good. Yeah, that that total archery challenge is a blast, man. Uh, Sean DeGray, he's definitely putting on putting on something good there for sure. And and what what a better well, I mean, what better place do you really have to bring a boatload of arrows and test out different stuff, right? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, that's it's fun. Last year, I remember one had like a crow decoy on a big rock face at like 80 yards. I mean, that's just I think the arrow manufacturers must have sponsored that shot. <laughs> but it's, it's a good time. It's you know, most guys don't get those opportunities for um, steep up and down shots at right. their normal courses. So I think. It does a great job of preparing you for, you know, out west, big game yeah, hunting. Actual hunting. I, I, that's kind of what I thought too when I went. Uh, I shot South Dakota last year, and it, uh, you know, I I felt the same way. I was thinking, you know, what what more real life practice can you get? You know, this is this is pretty dang close 
to as, as real as it can get. So I thought that was pretty cool. But, uh, you know, another thing that I really liked about uh, the actual inserts itself is I really liked that they come in different weights, you know, because – I like to mess around and test stuff and just see what's going to sh- end up shooting the best, whether it be your, you know, your 25 grain all the way up to, did you say you have a hundred grain? I think, um, right. Every 20, yeah, we do 25, 50, 75 and a hundred grains right. in both the, the 204 diameter and both the 204 diameter and the deep six size. Right. And I, and I think that's awesome because then if, if I, for whatever reason, let's say I decided I want to shoot 200 grains up front. That's I tested the 75 insert, I tested the 50 insert, and I tested the 100 grain insert, and the 100 one just shot the best for me. Well, now I'm able to get 200 to 225 grains up front and still shoot the small feral of your, like say for instance I'm shooting your 100 grain solid. Um, I'm still going to get that really small profile feral and everything like that um, in the 100 grain uh, broadhead you guys offer, but I'm still shooting with the impact collar and I'm still shooting 170. Yeah, I'm still shooting 75 grain insert, 25 grain insert, you know, impact collar, and then a 100 grain broadhead. There's my 200 grains up front, but I didn't have to go to, you know, in some cases a monstrous, you know, 200 grain broadhead all by itself. <laughs> <laughs> right exactly so there yeah there's a lot of different ways to get weights and what i see is a lot of guys want to stick with their 100 grain head or 125 grain head but they want to add some weight so um i think doing it through this the, so that our impact collars weigh 25 grains um and then you've got the the four options for the the hit insert so i, I think it just gives you options on the ways to do it you know if you want to shoot um if you want to have your broadhead plus 75 grains up front, you can do the 25 grain collar and a 50 grain hit insert, for instance. Right. So from from like your company standpoint, why why would you not go with, say, one 25 grain insert and then have, you know, a 10, a 20, a 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, uh, weights that you could just screw to the back of that single insert. Did that make sense? Yeah, good question. Um, yeah, I think so. You're saying why not have one insert and then screw in a bunch of different weights behind it? And yeah, I, yeah, I, I considered that. Um, I just think that a lot of guys will figure out what they want for weight and then just want the strongest insert they can get. Right. So to me, it's, it's stronger to have say a, a, a 50 grain, one solid piece hit insert than it is to have a 25 grain one with, with, you know, a couple of tens, you know, screwed in behind it, for instance. And, and it's, and you can hold tighter tolerances when you're just building one part to 50 grains versus trying to screw a few together. So um, it's certainly a way to do it. I know some other companies do it. Um, I did consider it. Um, I just figured that people can figure out what weight's best for them, um, often, you know, with different field points or or whatever. And then once they decide what they want for the hit insert, um, they'll just pick the, the right weight that they want, and it'll be a very strong, very, very tight tolerance part. 
Gotcha. Yeah, that that makes perfect sense. Do you, uh, you know, is do you guys have any plans to come out with, um, uh, or maybe you do. I I don't know. I've I've really only looked at your broadheads and stuff. But do you have plans to come out with some field points, uh, so that you know, obviously, so that people can do exactly what you were just saying? Because I don't know. You know, I don't know that there are a deep six field points that are anything other than like the 100 and 125 grains. Are, are, do you know of any? Or? No, there's not. And that's and that's been a problem for us. We came out with a 150 grain uh, deep six broadhead, but there's no field points for us. So we didn't we sold like one, I think. So, uh, yeah, we, we recently started making the deep six broadheads. Um, in 100 grain, I mean, sorry, deep six field points in 100 grain, 125 grain, and 150 grain at the at the right diameter to match with our impact collars. Gotcha. Because um, that's the other problem we had is that people, the only deep six field points available were the two made by Easton at 100 grain and 125, and they they are they fit tight to the diameter of the OD of their arrows, and so when we added our impact collar, there was a step up there. Um, so we had to, yeah, we had to come up with a field point to match that. So we're making hardened steel um, field points as well. And that's part of the reason that all my arrows survived, I think, is having that hardened steel field point when it hit the rocks. It actually didn't damage the field point even. Um, so, yeah, we do make those for, for deep six. We will probably make them for standard as well um, in the future, but there wasn't that as strong of a need there because there are standard field points available and you know all diameters um gotcha. and typically a 5 16th diameter field point fits pretty well with our impact collars gotcha that's good to know though i will uh i will have to order some of your guys's deep six field points because i i didn't even think of that you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> yep it's uh yeah, there's pretty limited, and I think that's been a bit of a problem with the deep six. Is there's pretty limited um, options out there for, you know, field points and um, and broadheads really in general. But uh, we do offer 100 grain, 125, and 150 grain deep six broadheads. Cool, cool. So it, you know, someone say like myself that is interested in testing different weights up front on broadheads uh, or testing different weights up front before they order the broadheads uh, and the entire hit system, you know, would you recommend going with something like a, you know, either your 25 or your 50 grain insert and then getting a few of the impact collars and then getting the 100 and the 125 grain uh, field points? Because, I mean, obviously they're just with that, you could go all the way up to 200 grains up front, and, and that would give you a wide variety to test before you go and order all of the actual hit inserts and uh, everything like that. Is that the kind of the route you would recommend going? Yeah, that is, and we, we offer um, our field points – I was going to look this up as we're talking just to make sure I'm, I'm telling the, the truth. But we have a uh, deep six field point, um, like a test pack where you can get, um, I'm going to pull it up here so I'm looking at it. 
Yeah, two each of. You can get a test pack for the field points, and it's two each of 100 grain, 125 grain, and 150 grain. So, um, yeah, my thought is with that, and then a 25 grain collar, which you can take on and off. Um, you can you can play around and find out what's the best weight f- for you. You know what you, you can you know run some programs and figure out what spines the best and get get close. But then I often like to you know shoot groups out of the distance with the different weights and and just see if one's grouping better than another. Sometimes. Um, sometimes people are a little underspined and they don't realize it and their groups are opening up more than they would if they were a little bit, um, you know, optimally spined or even a little bit on the stiff, um, side is, is what I find personally. So yeah, that, that's my thought is that you could play around with the different field, field tip weights, um, and see what's going to group the best for you. Yeah. Gotcha. That makes perfect sense. Cause, uh, you know, obviously you could screw in the, the 100, the 125, and the 150 at 20 yards, and and everything looks great. But you get out to 60 yards, and like you say, you might realize that that 150 is making your spine too weak, and and your your groups start to open up. And well, nobody wants your groups to open up. <laughs> right. I think there's um, a lot of guys who are trying to go high FOC and. The problem I see is that a lot of guys are kind of marginally spined when they do that. And I know a few different custom arrow builders that that I talk to on a regular basis, and they'll tell me that guys are coming to them and saying they want 20% FOC, and and they give them some options, and they and they end up wanting to pick one that it's kind of they're a bit weak spined, but it gives them the FOC they want, and and I think that's a real bad idea. I think, um, you know, number one thing is, is good arrow flight. And if you're a bit underspined, your arrow flight typically isn't that great. And if you're just shooting, you know, 20 yards, um, it probably doesn't matter. But if you're trying to reach out there, you know, 50, 60 yards, then, then having that spine, right, is, is very critical. And yeah, the, the whole FOC thing, I, I think, um, you know, there's benefits to having, uh, uh you know, high front of center to a point, you know, I like that 13 to 16% range. Personally, I think you get a lot of uh, benefits from that and stability. Um, and when you start going up 20 plus, I think, um, you know, it really hurts the trajectory and it just makes that, that, that shot, um, you know, that arrow launch more critical to me. You've got a lot of weight out front that you're, you're getting a lot of flex in that arrow and it just makes your rest and your form and everything more critical. And I think just for the average guy, it's going to give him more, more trouble than it's worth. Um, so anyway, yeah, that, that's kind of my explanation of why I think it, it's good to, to shoot some different weights, make sure you're not under spine, make sure you're grouping good at, at distance. And I, like anything else out there in any part of the world, there's there's generally a happy medium, you know, um, and and so much more, as you said, goes into it than just simply walking into the store and saying, I want 20% FOC, you know, I mean, me, for instance, you know, I have like 26 and three quarter or 27 inch draw length. Right. And I shoot typically a bow maxed out. So 70 to 73 pounds. Um, well, if I want to shoot 250 grains up front, 
that's you know I'll be able to use a lot different arrow than somebody that's got a 30 inch draw length. <laughs> you know, obviously the dynamic spine and the reaction there is going to be completely different, uh, purely because you know. And then on top of that, if I'm shooting with any type of overdraw or something like that, I could be literally shooting a 25 inch arrow. Um, that that 350 or 330 spine arrow at 25 inches is a lot stiffer than if it's cut at 30, 31 inches. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yep. Yeah, for sure. And it, it depends on everybody's particular situation. And yeah. and you're right. I've got a 30 inch drop, so I'm 30 inch drop. I'm kind of limited on what arrows I could actually get that that high of FOC. Right. Right. Um. It, and yeah, I think most people are better off in that kind of middle ground. And and yeah, I think you know, good arrow flight is. Is number one. I think having a, a good arrow, you know, total weight um, is is important as well. Um, what do you and you know that kind of depends on what range you want to shoot. Yeah, you know, it kind of depends on what what range you want to shoot. For me, I want to I want to go and uh, shoot. Well, I like to practice to you know 100 yards or even 120 yards. Um, just preparing for these total archery challenges and and. It, at the same time, I've always kind of liked to to shoot long range. Um, so for me, um, you know, with my current bow setup, I'm around. If I get much more than, I think I'm at 510 grains right now as my arrow setup, and I can I can shoot that 120 yards with my you know slider sight without uh, you know doing anything crazy. Um, <laughs> so to me, that 500 grains. <laughs> Uh, to me, like a 500 grain arrow, I really like that 450 to, to 500. I think is 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 great for um, out west um, big game hunting. You know, elk, mule deer, things like that. Um, it, and it depends on the person and the setup. Um, but you know, I like that 450 plus. I guess. Um, and depending on your setup, maybe I might recommend 450 to. To 500, maybe even 550. Um, and some guys are a little, you know, a little shorter draw. They want to have that arrow speed yet. They might have to go down, maybe a little bit lower than that. But you know, I, I like kind of that, um, you know, 425 minimum, but closer to 500. I think it is a little better. You know, just for and I'm looking at mostly for elk for getting good penetration on elk and and you know it'll, it'll depend on your broadhead for sure. Um, you know, with the with the iron wheel broadhead, I've done a lot of force testing where our force to push through a, a thick hide and um, you know really push through an animal is going to be a lot less than most broadheads. So, um, I think if you've got a lower kinetic energy setup um, because of a short draw or lower poundage or whatever, then then your broadhead becomes even more critical. Um, but I think with with the average guy, say shooting 65, 70 pounds, um, with an arrow that's in that 450 to 500 range, um, in, in our broadhead, I think that's pretty deadly. You're gonna get you're gonna get great penetration. You're gonna get pass-throughs. Um, I've had, I think it's around 30 guys now tell me that either they or a buddy of theirs has gotten a pass-through on an elk, including one or two shoulder blades. Um, in it so i just think it, it gives you a lot of opportunities for um 
you know, opens up shot options to you, I guess, you know, the frontal shot or steep quartering away. Um, I think having, having a decent arrow weight, um, and a, a strong cut on contact broadhead really helps you out. Yeah, absolutely. I, that, that, uh, <laughs> we, you, you know, it's so funny cause, um, I've had people reach out to me and I, I would imagine you probably have two where they're something along the lines of, you know, I'm shooting this arrow, but I want higher FOC. And my very first question to them is why? And it's not that I am negative towards high FOC cause I've shot it uh, in past years. Yeah, I have. Um, I think that one broadhead I, I tested and shot, uh, I think I shot an antelope or something. I don't even remember what I shot. I shot a couple animals with it. It was like 300 grains. Um, yep, I shot it. But people reach out and they say that kind of stuff. And my first question is why? You know, I'm like, what is your current setup not doing that you think that's going to fix, basically? You know, because if you're already getting the speed you want, if you're already shooting the groups that you want, you're already getting the distances that you want, um, you're already getting the penetration that you want, what exactly do you think you're going to get better? <laughs> you know, it's – I just like, why? Because <laughs> <laughs> they're reading, reading the forums and they're jumping on the bandwagons. You know? There you go. There <laughs> <laughs> you know, there'll be a lot, a lot of hype on a certain subject, and and they want to jump on it. Um, yeah, I've got, I get a lot of guys asking me, um, saying, "Hey, I want to move to your 150 grain broadhead, or I want to add a 25 grain impact collar." This is the arrow I'm shooting. What do you think? And um, you know, often I'll tell them, "You're kind of marginally spined right now, and I wouldn't add any weight without without changing arrows." Um, and you know, if, if they really want to try it, I'll say, well, get some heavier field points then and see how they shoot for you and shoot groups. You know, it's a, uh, the, you know, the arrow spine charts only get you so far. There's just a lot of kind of stuff missing on those. Um, you know, Archer's Advantage or the other, or the other programs uh, do a better job, but, you know, often it's that final, you know, testing to, to tell you if it's, if it's really, uh, if you're really spying correctly or not in your setup. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, the hardest part about that is the best way to figure all that out and to see what weight's going to work up front and all this other stuff is by buying it, buying the different arrows and going out and doing it. And that kind of sucks because, you know, here you are, you buy, you know, six to 12 arrows. Most of them come in six packs or 12 packs and you shoot them. You get something that flies okay. And then you decrease the weight on your bow by five pounds and it flies even better. So what does that tell you? You're under spine. You're like son of a gun, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, yeah. But one thing I, I did find out, and I didn't know this until I went to go order some arrows from uh, Lancaster, is Lancaster Archery, you can buy single arrows. And I thought that was pretty cool because um, here I could go in and I could buy three of one arrow, three of a different, and three of a different, and actually test them head to head and not have all this money out on the table because I had to buy groups of six. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um you know, doing it that way. But, uh, so I, I'm, 
uh, long story short, I'm super excited to uh, get your stuff in the mail, and I'm actually in the process of getting uh, two 100s, two 125s, and two 150s as we speak. Um, so that, uh, uh, and then I'm gonna, you know, build up some arrows and do some testing, and and uh, you know, test different weights up front and everything like that. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to get all that here and and get to shooting for sure. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. So, uh, with uh, with with the actual insert itself, um, you know, because I, I don't I don't have them here yet. Uh, if I put the deep six insert in my arrow, and then I put your guys's impact collar on there as well, how far past? where the threads in that insert meet, um, how far past does the impact collar go? Yeah, there's about a half inch overlap um, off the top of my head. That's what I was yeah, assuming was about a half inch. Hey, hey, let me see if I can uh, check one here quickly. Yeah, it's, it's going to be right around that um, half inch overlap. So, and what I found that that makes it a pretty strong connection there. I think you just need to have have a good amount of overlap between the impact collar and that um, um, and that hit insert, so it acts solid. And then, you know, as your arrow starts to say, if you hit something hard impact on the side, it starts kind of bending or flexing that arrow. Um, you've got that strong tip through the hit insert. And then the next weak point would be kind of the back end of that hit insert, wherever it stops kind of in the arrow. And what we've done there is we've, um, we have a rounded end to it. So what, what, um, I think typical hit inserts have kind of a sharp corner there. And some people will say, well, I broke it, you know, back off at the, at the back end of the insert. And so we've kind of rounded that to try and, Kind of spread the pressure as it starts to flex and be less likely to be able to break break off back into the arrow as well. I got gotcha. you. So how did, you know that that brings up an interesting question? How did you figure that out? I mean, was that serial? You know, completely by doing some equations and things like that, or did you test a squared off end versus the rounded off end, and the rounded off end worked better? Like, how did you come to that conclusion? <laughs> Uh, you know, just from doing years of um, stress analysis and component designs, I just knew that was a, a stress concentration right there, a sharp corner. Um, as, you, as you're trying to bend that arrow shaft and it has a sharp corner pushing into it. Um, and so, and I know, you know, from, from so I'm, I'm a mechanical engineer and I've spent 25 years doing product development um, analysis and testing and impact testing, things like that as well. Um, and so, you know, from experience, I knew about how much of a radius would be needed to reduce that stress down low enough and spread it out. Um, so a lot of it's just past experience there. Um, I have done quite a bit of structural analysis on the broadhead itself, you know, finite element analysis, modeling, computer simulations. Um, but this particular area, I, I didn't, I didn't really need to do that. Just more one-off past experience. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, but uh, you know, it makes it makes perfect sense. Uh, I just 
just picturing it in my head, you know, when it, especially on an angled shot, you know, obviously the arrow flexes as soon as it comes out of the bow, but once it hits something, you know, remotely hard at an angle, it even flexes and tries to bend as it hits. So that just, that just makes, you know, having a perfectly perpendicular edge like that, I could just, you know, imagine that kicking it sideways and snapping right there when it hits that hardened steel, you know, because obviously carbon versus hardened steel on the inside, the steel's going to hold up. Uh, so, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and as you add a, a rounded end, as it starts to flex, it starts, um, you know, it's kind of spreading out where the, where the contact point is, getting that high pressure and that high stress, and then hopefully it just kind of... Um, takes takes all that pressure as it gets spread out and and it's not enough to actually break anything right. so i i think um so far so good i mean it seems to be they seem to be holding up really well that's awesome so uh, you know i also noticed uh new on your guys website is you guys came out with a wicked looking knife um why why don't you tell us about that and and kind of the specs and and uh you know, I, I believe I read that it's it, you guys, you know, use the same steel that's on your broadhead so that it holds an awesome edge, but obviously you know more about it than I do, so why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so that's something I've been working on for a couple of years. You know, I spent I spent many years um, developing the broadhead, went through five different um, types of blade steels. Um, to really what I was really trying to get on the broadhead was a steel that would be be very hard so i could get um, a very sharp edge but also retain that edge so you know as it cut through the animal what i'm what i found was a lot of broadheads are dull by the time they get through the hide that edge um is just getting worn off and if you hit a rib it's it's um you know it's there's really no not much of an edge left and it starts just tearing after that and you really want a broadhead that's going to slice all the way through so that the animal bleeds a lot and quickly you know dies quickly good blood trails, things like that. So um, I started out with stainless blade steels. Um, and the problem the problem with those, say, um, like a 440C or an S30V, um, 154CM, there, there's a lot of kind of premium blade steels um, out there that are stainless. And, and they do fine for, for knives because you don't have that high impact and the, and the blades are rel- relatively thick. Um, but on a, a broadhead blade, that's it's a severe situation that a broadhead blade goes through. You know, it's flying 300 feet per second and with all this momentum behind it and the arrow, and then it hits something hard like a bone or a rock or something. So it's very high impact. Um, and so I just wasn't getting the toughness I needed there. And so then I went from the stainless steels to more of the tool steels, um, like S7, A2. And those are a couple steels that are used for for metal stamping dies and punches you know they're used when you need to cut metal that's what they use because they're so tough um and s7 is kind of an impact steel where that's used more for um forming or yeah forming the metal and a2 is typically used for cutting the metal um because you can also get a high hardness and a great edge on it and have that edge last for you know many thousands of of cycles um when you're when you're stamping material. Um, anyway, so A2 is the steel I ended up settling on for the broadhead. And then I spent a lot of time working on the heat treat process um, to just get as much 
to keep that really high hardness and get as much toughness impact strength out of it as I could. We ended up doing a cryogenic treatment and a triple tempering. Um, and we spent about a year just working on that process, getting that all dialed in. And so when I was done with all that, um, you know, at the same time, I, I do a lot of backcountry bow hunting um, where I'm trying to keep the weight down back in five miles or so and, you know, get an elk down and, and need to, you know, skin it, quarter it, debone it, um, cape it, everything back there and what i was typically doing is carrying a couple of knives um to do that and 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 sometimes i'd have a replacement blade knife um i was using those for a while but i really didn't like that i'd occasionally break a blade you know running along a bone or you know trying to separate the the head from the spine something like that and and then you got a you know broken blade in the meat somewhere in the back country it's just kind of a bad situation i know a lot of friends have cut themselves so i became more of a fixed blade guy from that and then the fixed blades i had um they either it was a high-end blade steel and it was heavy or I'd, i'd use like an ultralight knife one that would not hold an edge very well so i saw this need for myself personally that that, hey, I want an ultralight knife that holds an edge really well. So that's when I started working on um, using our the same steel heat treat from our broadhead blades to make this one ounce um, ultralight hunting knife. Um, and I did a couple iterations on the on the design of it over a couple of years and got a bunch out to people to test, got some feedback. And um, yeah, we just started selling it recently. And it has um, a patent pending on the design where it has some sharpened um, top edges near the tip. And then there's finger grips on the top edge that goes out to it or kind of a thumb grip. And the idea with that knife is um, you can use the top edge kind of like you would a gut hook to, you know, rip, rip hide. Um, but the problem I've had with gut hooks is that they're sharp, you know, the first time you use it. And then it's kind of hard to sharpen that, that area down in there. So what I have is uh i just have sharpened top edges that are you know open or kind of exposed so they're easy to resharpen if you need to um and we'll have some videos on our website of kind of how to use it but yeah, you just grip the knife put your thumb forward towards the sharp edges onto the finger grip and then you can kind of pull upward and, and rip the hide and if you make all the hide cuts with the top sharpened edges um you know hide and hair is what really dulls the knife especially if guys are cutting down kind of downward into the hair that's that cuts it pretty quickly but what i found is if you can make those hide cuts with the top edge you know ripping kind of upward um as you go then the belly of the knife stays sharp a really long time to do um to skin it um debone the meat and everything there and um i i can get through two animals with one knife and that's you know skinning deboning um caping and you know that that's with taking some care um but i think anybody can get through you know one elk um pretty easily with it if if they use it right to do you know skin it quarter it debone it cape it so to me it's all you need in a for a backcountry hunt and it only weighs an ounce you know i'm i'm loving the knife myself i think a lot of guys are excited about it that's that's awesome um two quick questions uh with the knife do you guys offer you know a small tool to sharpen it or anything like that because i myself 
the whole reason I started using the the changeable blade knives is because I suck so bad at sharpening a knife. So do you you know do you offer <laughs> something to come that you guys can you know somebody can buy and throw in their backpack to sharpen the blade or do you have instructions on doing that? Because I'm telling you what, man. I am so bad at it that that is literally the whole reason I switched to replaceable blade knives. Not that I overly love them, <laughs> but when I open that blade and I put it on, that knife is sharp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I understand what you're saying. Um, so I think there's kind of two options for a guy. One is you just use it out there. Um, I think it'll get you through the whole elk. You can get home and then sharpen it up, you know, however you like to sharpen your knives, you know, um, Gatko, Lansky or KME type knife sharpener, um, you know, where you can set angles and, and sharpen them up. That that works great. Um, if you want to, you know, so I think that's one option. The other option is um, you carry a little sharpener with you in the field and kind of touch it up as you go that season. And we sell a little um, it's a half ounce now. Um that it weighs it's a little carbide sharpener where the angles are set properly for the knife um and you can just yeah use that to touch it up i just i just was on a bear hunt recently yeah i was on a bear hunt recently and um actually had the outfitter use the knife just to see what he thought about it um you know he he's like wow this thing is scalpel sharp and then you know by the end after the coal caping and everything we checked it and at the beginning it would like shave a patch of hair like nothing off your arm and and at the end when everything was done you know fully deboned um i, I just kind of rubbing on my arm there i was cutting some hair but it wasn't just shaving a patch anymore so it, it was ready for a little touch up and so with that carbide sharpener the key to a carbide sharpener i think is is light pressure and just do a few more strokes um carbide is so hard if you push hard into it you can just create a burr and and dull the knife worse but if you just take like the weight of the knife plus a little bit more weight so pretty light press into it pull it through uh, maybe 20 light strokes and just check and see how well it's shaving hair you know literally within a minute um i was shaving a patch of hair on my arm easily again so I, I think that's a good option for guys to have that little sharpener. If it starts, if you start feeling it dulling a little bit, just touch it up a little bit with that and, and keep on going. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, I was going to ask one quick question uh, about the, the insert system. I was just curious what kind of uh, insert glue you are using uh, because obviously there's tons out there uh, and some some are good and some are are not so good. So I was just curious what what you've been using for your inserts. Yeah, right now I recommend use, using the the Easton Hit Insert Epoxy. Um, and so right now we we're planning to start selling that epoxy and also a, a little insert tool um, made of steel, um, so you can reuse it and clean it easily. But um, we, we haven't started selling those yet. So right now we just recommend, you know, using the Easton insert tool to push them in the right depth, use the Easton hit insert epoxy to install them. You know, that's, that's what it was engineered for. We, we know that works. I've tested that a lot. It, it's very strong. Um, you know, going forward, I will be testing some other, uh, other adhesives, but at this point, 
uh, I'd say just use the proven one that was, you know, engineered for it. Gotcha. Yep. Uh, have you tested other deep six broadheads with your guys's, uh, not with the insert, but with the impact collar? Because I know you mentioned that the the Easton field points, they have an issue with fitting by there because they fit so tightly. Have you tested any other deep sixes uh, broadheads with your impact collar? To see if the diameter of the ferrule is right? Yeah. Is that what you're asking? Yep. Um, I've the few that I have here um, are fine. I think in most cases the deep six broadhead ferrules are same as their standard broadhead ferrules, where they're bigger than the arrows. I think there's a couple that have narrowed down the ferrules um, that could be an issue. Uh, I'm I'm not sure. I haven't checked them all. Gotcha. Well, I will. Uh, I ordered a couple from Lancaster. So once I get your stuff in as well, you know everything, and get my arrows built up. Um, there's a few broadheads I ordered just to test and see see what I see. Um, but I will at least you know get back to you and let you know if they fit. So if somebody else asks you, you at least know. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Let me know what you find out. Yeah, for sure. Well, Bill, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to hop on the podcast. I like I just said, I just ordered some of those field points, so I'm excited to get those in as well as the rest of the hit system and uh, do a bunch of tests. But, yeah, I, I appreciate you hopping on and and uh, talking arrows and archery and broadheads and knives and all that good stuff with me. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Uh, good talking to you, Zach. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, why don't you, uh, real quick, before we hop off, why don't you let people know where they can find you and Iron Will? Yes, our, our website is um, ironwilloutfitters.com. Our Instagram is at ironwilloutfitters. Um, yeah, we have uh, Facebook as well that's um, ironwilloutfitters. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, Bill. Well, thanks again. I look forward to having you on soon. We'll we'll dive into some physics type stuff and and really get into that kind of that side of it here soon. Thank you for tuning into the show. It means a lot to us. But seriously, though, I really appreciate your ear, and it would mean the world to me if you would rate our podcast. If you didn't like it, one star it. But if you did, a five is even better. Don't forget to comment, like, share, and hit that subscribe button. Thanks again for tuning into the show. Some other podcasts that you should definitely check out are... Eastman Elevated with Brian Barney. And Hunt Harvest Health with Ryan and Hillary Lampers. And a special thanks to... Maven Optics, Six Sight Gear, Dark Energy Tech, Shield Mountain Outdoors, The Outdoor Insiders, Iron Mind Hunting, Valkyrie Archery, and Gannett Ridge Sporting Equipment.